G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. So, I decided to go hiking one day in a state park. It's a place that I'm extremely familiar with. The weather has been awful lately though, so I haven't been kayaking. My time in the state park has been spent kayaking. I was the only person out there because the weather wasn't great. I was on the orange trail, maybe two miles in, when all of a sudden I had the feeling of just being watched. I do have a bit of a sixth sense for this. If I feel like I'm being watched, there's an 80% chance that I am being watched. So I stopped, watched for a second. As I started back in, I suddenly saw quick paced movement out in the brush, maybe 50 yards from where I was. Something was trying to avoid being seen. Weird. I continued on though. As I walked down the trail, I continued to feel watched. When all of a sudden as I'm walking, I hear a, a maniacal laughter out in the brush, maybe 20 yards to my left. Now, I was the only person around. I hadn't seen another person in the entire park. And this really unsettled me. I quickly moved on. I tried to put it out of my mind, thinking that I must have just imagined it. But maybe two minutes later, I hear the same maniacal laugh off to my left this time a bit closer. I decided at this that I need to pick up the pace substantially. Less than a minute later I hear the laughter right behind me and there's an enormous amount of rustling and noise coming from the brush. I realized that whatever this was was now right behind me and I just ran. I didn't look back, I just legged it. Something was telling me to run and run as far as I could Within a mile, I, I was sucking wind. I had put every ounce of energy into my escape. I, I ended up becoming too weak to run. I stopped for a rest. I didn't want to get bull rush, so I turned around, faced the direction that I'd been running from, and I took a knee. I was starting to calm down, but I still didn't feel safe, I guess. I told myself that I had to keep going. As I struggled to my feet, I, I spotted something in the brush a dark leather wrap. I unfolded it and found three extremely sharp knives in there, like butcher knives, the type of knife that you would use to, I guess, stab someone. They looked like they'd only been put there recently too. You could tell that they'd been dropped there within maybe a day or so. I let out an audible yelp when I realized what was inside the sheath. Really manly, I know, but anyway... All of a sudden, every ounce of fear came rushing back. My body was telling myself to be very, very afraid. I knew then, too, that I had to keep moving. So I jumped up and I ran back to civilization. I didn't grab the knives because I felt like it would add an immense amount of risk to an already dangerous situation. I had the feeling of being watched until maybe I was half a mile from the trailhead, Something or 
someone was out there and something or someone knew that I was out there too. I'm not really scared of much. People don't really have the ability to freak me out. But the fact that my body was telling me to be really scared, to keep moving no matter what, was terrifying to me. It was nothing short of a, a primal response that I just couldn't turn off. This happened in Boston in 2013. I, now 30 female, 23 at the time, was looking for an apartment with a roommate, same age. We had a pretty tight budget, so rather than using a realtor, we replied to ads on Craigslist. It wasn't my first time using Craigslist for this, and having come across my fair share of creeps, I made it a point to never go to tours alone and to make sure someone who wasn't coming with me knew the address of where I was touring. So, we scheduled an appointment to meet with someone to view a one-bedroom that was open in a three-bedroom house in Dorchester. We get there, get inside the front door, and he told us to wait in the foyer. I like to think that I have pretty good intuition, and the place immediately felt very creepy. He said that the open bedroom is in the guest house in the backyard, but... It looked more like a garage, if I'm being honest. Then he said that his neighbor has been asking to move into the open room and he doesn't want her to know that he's letting other people tour it. So when we go to the backyard to see the guest room, we should try to walk as quickly as possible so she doesn't notice in the event that she was looking outside. All the red flags were going off. And then he told us that He'd go back there first and tell us when it's okay to head over. He leaves, a minute or two go by, and through a window we can see a few other guys that we didn't see before head to the garage. Obviously, huge red flags at that. Me and my roommate look at each other and, without even having to say a word, immediately leave the foyer and walk to our car. We get in the car, lock the doors and drive away as quickly as we can. About five minutes later, he calls us and asks us why we left. He sounded really upset and told us that we wasted his time and blah, blah, blah. I know in my gut, though, that he did not have good intentions. And to this day, I wonder what would have happened if we went to the tour in the garage. When I was nine years old, I lived in Mexico and let's just say that it wasn't a particularly peaceful year when it came to crime. At that point, I was living with just my mum and in my childhood home up in the mountains near a forest which, full disclosure, I absolutely loved my home since I was a big fan of nature. One night though, I woke up from an absolutely horrible nightmare. I quickly made my way to my mum's room to wake her up because I was so panicked. After I stopped crying, I got into bed with her and as we were falling asleep, I told her that I didn't want to live in that house anymore and all my mum said was, I promise this is the last night you have to sleep in this house. And that was a haunting promise that was kept. You see, we were woken up while it was still dark by my dog barking non-stop outside. 
My mum got out of bed grumbling about him being so loud that early and made her way to the front door that led to the front garden where my dog was yapping away. We had an alarm system on the doors and windows so I just heard my mum deactivate it in order to check on what was going on with the dog. I was still laying in bed because I was cold and it was still too early to get out of bed when suddenly I heard my mum scream which caused me to stand up and call for her. Not even 30 seconds later though a man dressed fully in black and wearing a balaclava came into the room and told me to get dressed and I quickly did as I was told. They took me to the living room where two men dressed exactly the same as the one who got me had my mum with a, a bandage over her eyes. I just remember her begging the three men to leave us alone and telling them where her wallet and valuables were but one of them just said that's not why we're here. They proceeded to put a pillowcase over our heads and shoved us into the trunk of our car and after this the rest of the events were just a, a bit fuzzy since it was hard to tell time and our sight was so limited I, I had no idea what was going on. But I do remember they hid us somewhere in the forest hidden between a sort of rock wall and a bed mattress, I think. I can't really say how long we were there, and I have vague memories of one of the men's backs that I caught a glimpse of when I peeked under the pillowcase. All my mother did, though, was pray non-stop. One, because she truly believed in God, but two, because Mexicans are extremely religious and it might dissuade them from killing a mother and child. After being moved to another location, though, inside a seemingly abandoned house, they called my mum to ask for ransom. We couldn't really hear most of the conversation, but the man that we'd nicknamed the mean one felt the need to tell me that my father didn't love me and that they were going to send him a few of my fingers if they didn't pay up. Shortly, we were loaded into another car when my mum started begging one of the men to not kill us. I drove around for what felt like hours until they suddenly stopped and dragged us out and told us to get on our knees. At this point, my mother was certain that we were going to get shot, so she asked that if they did, to shoot me first in order for me not to hear my own mother die. The men said nothing, and we then abruptly heard the car peel out, and my mother just screamed at me to run as fast as I could. We ran for a few minutes and then saw a residential area where we started frantically knocking on the doors hoping that the kidnappers didn't plan on coming back for us. To our desperation, nobody in the first two houses opened up their door when suddenly an old man opened up at the third house and after trying to explain to him and seeing the state that we were in, he let us come in and call my father. After he picked up the phone, all I could do was cry after hearing his voice. He came to get us and that night was the first and last time that I ever saw my father cry. What comes to mind when you picture the perfect roommate? One who comes when you call? One who doesn't forget to lock the doors? One who doesn't steal your milk just a little bit at a time, hoping you won't notice? At Apartments.com, they understand that. When it comes to roommates, a pet can be your best bet. They're easygoing, eat what you serve them, and never clog the toilet. That's why they have the most pet-friendly rental listings on the internet. And with instant alerts, you'll know the moment your perfect, pet-friendly place becomes available. So, when you need a place that's pet-friendly and human-tolerant, 
check out apartments.com, the place to find your pet-friendly place. So I work nights and I often drive home alone around 2 or 3 in the morning. When the roads are pretty much completely deserted as well, that's when I'm usually coming home. Last night I was driving home and got stopped at a light. There's a fairly large man crossing the street to my left with a guy in a wheelchair trailing behind him. They get to the curb and they start waving at me and step off the curb to cross where I'm stopped. At this point my light was turned green and the guy walking is waving his arms in the air at me. It's a four lane road so I figure since he's with someone in a wheelchair that he's just wanting to make sure that I see them while they're trying to cross. So I do that acknowledgement wave and stay stopped so they can cross. Then the large guy suddenly starts drifting away from the crosswalk and seems to be walking towards my car. The guy in the wheelchair continues in the crosswalk so I don't think much of it until I notice that no, it's not that this guy is just a little wobbly. He is definitely walking straight toward my door. My light is still green so I decided that I'm just going to go before this guy gets to my door and so I start driving and as I'm maneuvering around this guy in the wheelchair he gets up out of the wheelchair and starts jogging after my car. I floored it at that point and looked in my rear view to see them both just standing there looking in the direction of the car. I don't know what their real plan was but driving to work tonight made me nervous that they'll be out there again on my way home. A couple of years back, I was coming home from a gig in Cambridge, England, and I didn't have enough fuel to get home. So, of course, I pull into a petrol station. I'm pressing the pump, but getting no response from the shop and can't see an assistant, on the other side of the window, that is. It's 2am at this point, so the shop isn't open. You have to pay through the hole in the window, etc, etc. And anyway, I'm standing there like a lemon and nothing's happening, so I approach the night window and bang on it. Still, nothing. Nobody home. But just then, I hear a shuffle behind me and a sort of deranged, breathy giggle. As I spin around, there he is. The strangest, most peculiar-looking... I don't even know what, that I've ever seen. A wide-eyed, scruffy-hooded man on all fours in a crawl position, head cocked up, glaring at me with a menacing, snarling, saliva-laced grin. I sort of back away slowly, just assessing the situation. Is he just a complete nutter that's escaped from an asylum or something? Or is he sinister? A hole that gets a thrill out of scaring people or something? As I back away, he slowly moves sideways whilst giggling and wheezing at the same time, all dribble around his mouth and chin. Our glares are locked on each other and I'm preparing to run up and boot him in the chops. And just then, the shop attendant appears from hiding under the counter and puts a sign against the window saying, Police have been called. This is enough to get the lunatic's attention and he slowly rises to a haunched standing position and just stares still smiling at the window in makeshift sign. This gives me enough time to run and jump into my motor. I get in and I lock all the doors but stick around as I just wouldn't forgive myself if the guy got hurt or something. The guy inside that is. 
And even though the nut job was locked out, you never really know, right? The freak didn't move a muscle for what seemed like three minutes or so, but then sirens in the distance snapped him out of it quick smart. He lifts his head to shout and swear towards the sky, then runs off into the trees behind the petrol station. At this point, I've had enough and I exit for home. The adrenaline lasted hours, but I managed to drive okay and all was fine in the end. And I know that he was just a man in a hoodie acting like a, a total loon, probably high on something. But man, that was one of the creepiest things that I've ever experienced. So we've been going to a local pool for six plus weeks for swimming lessons. This was the last week and as soon as I had my son, 16 months, dressed, an old, I would say 70 year old plus maybe, lady walked in. She immediately, almost before turning the corner, said, how old is he? Now, I love showing off my baby boy, but she was immediately creeping me out. She was standing less than like one and a half feet from my face and I couldn't back up as I was in a corner. She began asking in a sort of monotone and low voice all kinds of questions about him and how old he was. I answered vaguely and only gave as much info as I'd give any other stranger, his age and name. She then asked me again when he was born and I said August. She then said, I'm born in February my mum in October, my dad in July, my brother in December. She listed another brother and some grandkids as well, but I was now frozen as those are the exact same birth months as my family, down to the family member. She continued to ask the same questions and tell me the same info over and over. At one point, looking at my son and then me and says in a really dull and creepy voice, I'm sorry, with a huge pause in between, I just want to take him and go. I don't respond to this. At this point, I was starting to get my son's clothes wet because I'm in my bathing suit holding him freshly dressed, so I'm getting a little antsy and also freaked out. She looks at me and says in her monotone, slightly annoyed voice, I'm bothering you, aren't I? I start to say, no, I just need to get dressed, and she cuts me off and begins to ask about my son's eye color. I start to say that they're blue and she again cuts me off and asks what color mine are. I then again start to say blue and she reaches to my face and uses her fingers to open up my eye, then agrees that they're blue and looks back at my son. She doesn't touch him thankfully but says they're blue, just be happy that they're not black and gives a really monotone laugh. All in all, she made me extremely uncomfortable. My son wasn't in any danger, I think, and I'm the most passive person in the world. I wasn't really sure what to make of her at the time, so I remained as friendly as possible, but stopped adding anything to the conversation after she rattled off her family's birthdays that are the exact same as my family's. I really don't know what to make of any of this. Do you guys... This happened almost 25 years ago, way before cell phones were a thing. 
When I was 17, my brother, 13 at the time, and I were traveling in northern British Columbia in mid-November. This is important as the darkness at this time of year in the mountains is pretty much absolute. We were in the Pine Pass, and anyone who knows this area knows how desolate it is. I'm talking hundreds of kilometers between gas stations and any kind of people or buildings or anything. We were just about at the Powder King ski resort turnoff and it was getting late. We pulled into a roadside turnout around maybe 10 or 10.30 because I was super tired. My brother was already sleeping so I pull in and park near some tourist signage, lock my doors and put my seat back up to sleep. I'm pretty much dead asleep when something just snapped me awake. To this day, I'm really not sure what it was that woke me up, but I was looking around trying to figure out what was happening when all of a sudden my car was surrounded by four or five men. They started yanking at the door handles trying to get in the car. I'm not sure if they saw that I was awake or not, but I quickly sat up and slammed the car in drive and peeled out of there quick smart. I'm not sure if I hit one of them or not, and... To be honest, I didn't care to check. I didn't stop again until my auntie's house and Prince George. It was one of the most terrifying times in my life to be out there in the middle of nowhere, so exposed and to be taken advantage of like that. So, it was 2016 and me, 22, and my husband, 28, were moving to a, a rental home. I was six months pregnant and we were thrilled to move into a nice community since we had lived in a pretty sketchy part of town. We didn't know much about this rental except that it was in a good school district, a crime area, within our budget. Time passes without any problems and soon our son is born. His birth was pretty much textbook and he slept well in the hospital, but this all changed when we brought him home. But the first night home was just absolutely awful. Every time we set him in his crib, he screamed. I'm not talking a normal I'm hungry or need a new diaper cry, a legitimate scream like he was in pain. My husband and I had to take shifts at night so the one could be with him and the other could sleep. My shift was always second and started around 2 or 3 in the morning. I tried my best to sleep but shortly after my son's birth I began having these just horrible nightmares. I would dream nightly about my son being hurt or needing me and I just couldn't get to him. At my six-week checkup, I told my OBGYN and she believed that I was having postpartum anxiety and even prescribed me medicine and recommended that I see a counselor. Weeks passed by since starting the medicine and counseling and I was still having nightmares and my son was still screaming all night long. His pediatrician told us that it was colic and that he just needed to wait it out. Everything changed though when he turned three months old. His screaming continued but started to be all day instead of just at night. My nightmares became much more specific. One night I dreamed that I walked into my son's room and he was on fire and screaming. Though I was in his room my feet were stuck inside his doorway. I couldn't move or speak. I could only watch my son screaming in pain. I woke up from that dream screaming and hyperventilating. 
My husband ran into our room and tried to console me. The next few days, I just couldn't sleep. I spent most of my days at work and my evenings sitting on my front porch talking to my next door neighbor. She was a, a really sweet old lady who had lived in this neighborhood since it was originally built in the 70s. And uh, I guessed that she could tell something was wrong and asked if I was okay. Reluctantly, I told her how my baby had been acting and how I was having these horrible nightmares. She was sympathetic and asked me to elaborate. I didn't feel comfortable telling her the details, so I just told her that I had dreams about fires in the house. Her face quickly changed, though, from caring and concerned to horrified. Seconds of quiet felt like hours before she spoke again. Do, do you know what happened at this house? She said. I told her no. She sighed and looked down before grabbing my hands and looking at me. She goes on to tell me that a, a few years ago there was a, a fire in the house due to some faulty wiring done poorly by the landlord or something. There was a young family with a three-month-old baby living there and unfortunately the baby passed away in the fire. She said the couple moved away and the house was renovated and put up for rent after. And after hearing that, I was in complete shock. I ran inside to my husband holding our baby and told him that we needed to leave. He must have seen the fear in my eyes since he did not even ask me to explain myself until we had gotten into the car. I explained what happened in the house and how I felt like my dreams were warnings that we needed to leave before something happened to our kid. Luckily, my brother-in-law lived in the next town over, so we went there. And the first night we stayed in his house, our son slept all through the night. Not a single peep. In fact, I checked on him every hour since it was so unusual for him to sleep this well. From then on, apart from my normal baby stuff... My son never screamed again like he did in that house. My husband packed our stuff and we stayed with my brother-in-law until we were able to get our own lease somewhere else and rent a new place. I never went back. I never will go back. I just pray for whoever moved in there next that they're okay. My buddy B and I have been fox and coyote calling for some time now. If you're familiar with it, you place a sort of wiggly fake critter somewhere, play some distress calls or mating out loud, and when the time is right, you take a shot. It sometimes happens quick, it sometimes happens within 10 minutes, anything longer and you move on to the next area. So, this night however... We came across something that, well, it scared me half to death and we've avoided that area since. We were set up, jump in the back of a pickup truck and start calling. We already got one grey fox each at this time and we're hankering for another. Only this time, the wood is really quiet. I remember my buddy mentioning how creepy it was as we set up. After about 10 minutes, we turned the caller down and listened, looking around. There was nothing. He turns the caller up slightly, and out of nowhere, we hear the most primal screech or call or sort of cackle that I've ever heard. 
It was like one of those bird calls from the jungle, but it's really hard to explain. In any case, we freeze. I can see in my peripheral my buddy's eyes wide open, eyes darting back and forth. Because like me, I thought it came from behind and above us. But the primal fear my body felt wouldn't allow me to turn around. B turns down the caller. The fake critter is still spinning and flopping around. We're basically looking at each other in our peripheral vision to see if the other heard it. And then, there were these two huge whooshes, what sounded like heavy wing flaps. A couple of branches above us rustle and snap. We both turn a 180, aim our rifles at the same spot in the tree above us. We have red light spots, my lights on our rifles and headlamps too. Only to see the branches slowly stop moving and a broken one swinging. Then there was a thump or a crash. We both turn another 180, rifles fixed on the area they were before. Only, instead of a fake floppy critter, we see this massive... All I really made out, to be honest, were... Well, they were wings. A huge, leathery reptile thing. They were sort of like huge, wide bat wings. I'm still not sure, but... We turned around just in the time to see this thing jump off the ground, flap its wings to gain altitude, and it was gone in a flash. And to be honest, all I can really picture is something like Batman from, well, the animated series. B and I sat there, rifles aimed, staring straight ahead, wide-eyed, breathing heavily, not sure what just happened or what we saw. But 30 seconds later, about 100 yards ahead of us... Our fake floppity critter drops from the sky, landing on the side of the road. It was mauled, mangled and crushed, and with a final sort of screech off in the distance, it was over. We wait about another 30 minutes and retrieve the caller and then we just skedaddle right out of there. To this day, we've convinced each other that what we saw was some sort of a ginormous owl, even if we joke about seeing something like pterodactyly, there's still a serious minute where we basically tell ourselves to just shut up. It must have been an owl. And we actually took a break from calling for a bit. So, years later, still hunting, trapping and calling, I now carry a harpoon gun with me every time and any time I enter my local woods. Whatever that thing was... It owes me a fake floppy critter and, in turn, I hope to hunt it and put it in my trophy case. So I was just driving home from a morning shift and was about a kilometre out from home when this guy stepped onto the road in front of me, waving his arms and shouting, Stop! Please stop! I slammed on the brakes to avoid hitting him and he ran to my window. I've had similar things happen before when people need help after an accident and I assumed that that's what this was. I ran down the window and this guy said, please, please help me, I'm being attacked. Please get me out of here. And I, being the credulous soft touch that I am, said, sure mate, get in. Now, I spend a lot of time in my car and my front passenger seat is basically my office and covered in just everything. So, not thinking, I told him to get into the back. This was lucky. 
so this stranger is now in my back seat and I said, can I take you to the police station? What can I do? And he said, yeah, a police station, please. So I pull a U-turn and head to our nearest cop shop. Luckily, it's only about six kilometers away. At this point, I still think this guy has been legitimately mugged or something and I ask what's going on. There's people after me. There's one there hiding in the bushes and another one there on that side of the road up in the tree. There's obviously no one there in either the bushes or the tree. And I think to myself, oh no, I've picked up a person in the middle of a psychotic break with gang-stalking delusions. Okay, mate, well, let's get you to the police station and get you sorted, alright? I say, trying to sound reassuring and calming. And he seems responsive and says, thank you so much. Police station's just out on the main road, only takes us a minute to get there. And man, I have never wanted a cop car to appear in my rearview mirror so much in all my life. But only two kilometers to go now. We drive in silence for a minute when he suddenly turns his head on his side, looks at me, and says in this super deep growl, You're not taking me to the police station, are you? Yeah, mate, I say. Sure I am. We're almost there. Just hang on, all right? You're one of them, aren't you? This was your plan, wasn't it? I'm getting chased and you just happened to show up at just the right second? Where are you taking me? Let me out. He starts thrashing around in the back seat, pounding the cushions with his fists and flailing wildly. And just then, we come around a curve. And there is the police station. No, mate. Look, there's the police station there. We're turning in right now, okay? And we did. And he calmed down. He said thank you and ran inside as soon as I parked. I gave him a few minutes to tell his story to the cops, then went inside and told the desk sergeant what happened, just for context. I don't know exactly what was going on with this guy, but man, I'm so glad that I was close enough to that police station to get there in time. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one.